Hey everyone, you're listening to the Working Triathlete Podcast with Derek Stone and Conrad Geringer. This podcast is devoted to helping you find maximum performance with deliberate efficiency. Well, good morning, Conrad. How's it going? It's going well. We had a good brick workout this morning with uh, the Nashville crew. We went to the air park, had a good cycling workout plus run. We have a bunch of athletes in town from out of town. Uh, so we just had our a team race this past weekend at 70.3 Chattanooga and a few athletes are staying for a few extra days and they're kind of scoping out the the area and and they're they're training with us very leisurely because they still have obviously 70.3 chattanooga in their legs so they were just doing an easy spin but uh it was a good beautiful beautiful morning um the weather has been nice since chattanooga honestly chattanooga it was uh it was a, the perfect day to race and we-, we definitely had a big crew there yeah, we've never seen this type of weather, I don't think, for 70.3 Chattanooga. I mean, every year I've done it, it's been really hot. Maybe ex- with the exception of 2017, I think it was a little bit more mild. But it was a beautiful morning, uh, sunny. Yeah, I think it hit a high of 70 when, when I was on the run and when most people were on the run. It did warm up later in the day, but for the most part, uh, almost perfect conditions for the race. Definitely. I mean, I was actually on the run, I was getting goosebumps. I was, I was cold. Part of that might be due to our tri suit, you know, our, we have good material <laughs> that is really good at wicking, but it was definitely a good, uh, the conditions were, were very solid for racing. You know, the, the temps were low, relatively speaking for Chattanooga, they were in the seventies. And, uh, you know, I would say the only drawback was the wind, mm-hmm. um, especially on the way back. So the, the, a 70.3 Chattanooga, the bike is a lollipop. You go South and then you do a little, uh, loop and then you ride back the way you came down the stick of the lollipop. And when you were running, riding back on that stick, it was a headwind the whole time. I think I was going about four miles per hour slower coming back. Um, so you just got to get your head down and, 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 and try to put out, you know, solid power and cut through that that wind but um yeah i mean conditions were were pretty good and the course is i think it's kind of a middle of the road course it's it uh, i mean i mean what do you think it's probably on the challenging side i would say though it's not like it's brutal um but it's definitely a course where if you don't you know train hills or train you know do some low cadence work or or if you over overdo any section, I mean, if you overbike, the run is going to hurt a lot because the run is pretty rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know the bike is is rolling. You know, I would say there's there's probably only Andrew's Lane. Honestly, is the only tough climb. Yeah. Apart from that one, it's still pretty rolling. Um, I think about twenty two hundred feet of gain, but. You know, I know we had we had a a fun weekend. We had about fifty athletes come out for this race from all over, and I know we had a, a tent in the in the expo in the athlete village, which was a good meeting place for uh, all of all of our athletes to come say hi. I, I know I wrenched on some bikes um, <laughs> last minute. You know, 
tune-ups for athletes and um but it was just good to to see everybody and have sort of a central meeting point throughout the weekend but um it, you know it, we had so many athletes and, and we obviously we coached uh, many athletes who who showed up you and I and then the other coaches and um I would say that it was probably a mistake to to have signed up to do the race personally because you know I signed up basically 12 months ago when this wasn't a team race but then you know after like 30 people signed up for it we realized we need to make it a team race and coaching uh on top of racing is is a lot and coaching comes first for sure but you know that extra layer of stress isn't great for the cortisol levels but it was uh it was a fun weekend for sure and we had a a big dinner with 75 people working triathletes and their family slash friends saturday night which is always a fun fun thing to do in chattanooga and we'll continue doing that every year for sure yeah it was fun being in the expo and like you mentioned we had the opportunity to have that that home base for athletes to come to and i got to give a shout out to quintana Roo as well they a lot of our athletes have quintana Roo bikes and they helped us with a lot of issues um they helped replace parts that we needed and they were just wrenching on bikes and just whipping right through them. Um, so kudos to, to them and and thanks for the opportunity to to help us out and and take a little bit of stress away from us as well. Because when when you're out there and your bike's not working properly, that that adds to the stress level as well. But they were able to help us handle that. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like I don't know why. Maybe it's the nature of the bikes and maybe they're somewhat more difficult to wrench on nowadays, but. I feel like when athletes travel now, the rate of um, like mechanical issues when they arrive on on race site has increased over the last year or two. Just among the athletes I work with, you know, I, I think part of it, a lot of athletes actually had issues with hydration, like their hy- integrated mm-hmm. hydration systems, like you know, it, certain parts coming off or not working, and uh, you know, how to fix it you know, sturdily to the, to the, the front end there. I, I saw those issues, certainly, you know, athletes always have issues with, you know, gear indexing and, um, tires are, are always an issue, you know, trying to refill tubeless tires. And then, um, but you know, thank goodness Quintana Roo was, <laughs> was there because probably almost half of, I don't, I, I, do you think half of the athletes <laughs> on, on the team who went to chat had Quintana Roos, rode Quintana Roos. It's probably pretty close to it. A, a sizable chunk. And, you know, part of that is, I mean, one good thing is, so, you know, I was, one of our home bases, I would say, you know, our two hubs, Nashville and Cleveland, uh, you know, Nashville is just a couple hours from Chattanooga. So I like to think of QR as kind of a local company um, mm-hmm. to Nashville for a lot of athletes. So that I don't know, a lot of athletes like, buying those because of that i think it's helpful um plus obviously they're they're solid bikes but yeah yeah definitely shout out to qr for helping many many athletes get on a bike that was in working order and nobody had to worry about it you know so that was that was definitely a good thing um and you know results wise uh for well just brief shout out to Paula Finley. She, she won the, the, the pro race there. Um, it was, uh, a, obviously a solid result from, for her, 
she went 409.44, um, which on that course on the day is quite fast, obviously. Um, and then second, let me uh, pull up the results real quickly. I accidentally. Uh, yeah, second, second was second, Danielle, Danielle Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, yeah, what's so, a solid yeah. performance, but yeah, 415.02. So about five minutes back. So Paula, 409.44. Danielle Lewis, 415.02. And then Jeannie Metzler, 415.37. Um, the, I mean, it seems like Paula kind of went on the the bike plus run. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, she biked to 218.24. And I, I would say the bike was pretty slow this year because of that headwind. Normally on the way back, it's, it's a net decline from you know the top of the lollipop so you know the 10 to 12 miles back to town typically you can get low and you can rock and roll like close to 30 miles per hour but you know this year i was putting out over 300 watts and and i was going like 22 miles an hour which i was decently fast but not not like way slower than one would normally go coming back so that cost some minutes for sure um, but overall, I think conditions were as good as one could ever ask for, for this race. Um, but, and then for, for our crew working triathlete, I mean, our, uh, our, our women, I would say it's worth highlighting our women's team. Yeah, um, absolutely. They did well. They crushed it. So we had, I mean, a few athletes in the top 10, um, you know that uh Caroline, she was, she was fifth overall. She PR'd uh by by a lot. You know, you know Katie did well. Um uh Annie did well, Kat, Jenna, uh, etc. You know, pretty much I mean, all of them qualified for worlds and a couple of them took the the slot, but you know, they our, our women's team absolutely crushed it. So we should put that high on the success uh bracket. I mean, a bunch of uh, working triathlete women broke five hours, which is always good to see. And they PR'd massively. So that's, that's always fun, fun to see. Um, and up front on the men's side, it was, it was just like the gods who live up on lookout mountain. They, they, they smote (laughs) the front of the, our, our team, uh, with mechanicals basically. Um, and issues. So, you know, just the, the first casualty was Anthony, you know, Anthony Didion, he was ready to go around four flat. He was so, so fit. And, uh, you know, I think within the first three miles of, of the race, um, another age grouper, like an older age grouper went down into the Arab bars for the first time and sort of swerved into him. And then he swerved over, uh, to try to like get away. I guess he overcorrected, um, and he went down and his wheel, his front wheel just straight up cracked. So he went down pretty hard. Uh, I know his hip is messed up. And then, you know, so, so that happened and he, he wasn't able to finish because of that. And then, uh, then know, there's Aaron, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. So Aaron, you know, was having a hell of a race, you know, he swam 26 oh, yeah. low and then was biking really well. And there was a car that turned right in front of him. He had to swerve and to avoid the vehicle 
and went off the road and and he took a spill. Um, he's he's a little banged up right now, but he's doing okay. Uh, so he'll, he'll have a little bit of rehab time. But um, so he was he was the second casualty uh, of the day. But and, and he was in that lead pack. Oh yeah, he, he was up there. He he yeah. and he was ready to run well too. And um, so and it was his first seventy point three too. So he wasn't able to to finish his first his debut race and. It had been an exciting debut, um, but on to the next legit. one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He would have been up there. I mean, he, the thing is he could run, I think, a 113, right? Oh, yeah. Um, not, not without like, a problem. Yeah. Conservatively. That's like a pretty conservative, I think, estimate for him. Um, I know you coach Aaron, and he's he's fast. He's looking good. I can't wait to see uh, you know what he does at the next 70.3. Is he doing Ohio? What is his next race? He, uh, he'll be in Germany for when Ohio happens, but he plans to do Michigan 20.3, but we, okay. we're trying we're, we might have to shuffle some things around depending on how fast he recovers. So once we know, you know how his recovery time, then we're going to kind of restructure the schedule and, and uh, figure out if we can squeeze one more in there before he makes a leap to the pro ranks. Yeah. I mean, he was in a sling for the the group picture after. So, you know, fortunately he, he, he was okay, but the cars, uh, you know, feedback from a couple other athletes, the cars were pretty, uh, pretty crazy out there. I know that they were kind of one car was like taunting other riders and, uh, you know, I would say I, I didn't encounter much traffic. Um, but I know that part of that is because, you know, the, the, the density of athletes up where, you know, we are on the bike is much lower. So cars can kind of easily get around. Whereas, when you're in the middle of the pack and everybody's riding like three wide, which unfortunately happens uh, at a race like chat where there are 3000 people uh, racing, the the cars can't really get around. So they go slow and they get trapped and the people in the cars start just freaking out. And then they just like, don't know what to do. And they get, you know, they, they start blaming the, the, the cyclists and, and you know, all of this, it's just a mess. But um the uh yeah so fortunately aaron is okay and then uh uh another you, well, you were the next one right yeah i guess <laughs> with yes with two and a half miles to go in the bike uh i got a flat which which normally is not an issue because i carry a flat kick kit now now flatting at all it you know if if i'm racing you or you know the other top athletes on the team or you know the other great age groupers uh in, in in the race it's you're out of contention basically mm-hmm. like even if it takes five minutes like it's just the margins are, are razor thin and uh the uh but you know i hopped off as like okay my race is over whatever I'm, I'm still gonna i'm gonna change the flat and obviously finish and that but uh what happened was that i my rear wheel flatted so i i was coming up on a pothole quickly and I couldn't go around it. So I, I tried to bunny hop it. And so the front wheel, you know, I cleared the pothole with the front wheel, but the rear wheel kind of came down on the edge of the pothole and it just tore it up. So, um, it, so that, that was a flat. And I, again, I was two and a half miles from the finish. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to ride it in. Um, you know, maybe I'll lose three minutes or something, but it my rear wheel started sliding out and i was like okay i gotta change this so then i pulled over i you know took the wheel off took the uh the tube out 
and then you know i realized the valve was too long uh, oh no which, so you can't uh, it wouldn't fit because yeah, again it was a disc wheel mm -hmm. like a full carbon disc and you need a very specific valve length for that because you know it has to sit in that opening and the opening on the premier disc it's great great wheel but it is small like it's a narrow window and i couldn't uh so i couldn't change the flat so then i started running the bike in because i was like okay i'm two and a half miles out what if i jog maybe i'll get there in like 30 minutes or something um but you know then but then a cop was like uh i'll, I'll call iron man like you don't, don't you don't have to run it in they'll come in and fix it and i was like okay and normally it's like 10 15 minutes historically from you know athletes their stories about you know mechanicals so i was like all right well that's going to be faster and then i don't have to run it in that's nice but then 30 minutes later, I was, nobody came and um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to run it in. And then the officer was like, I'll, I'll, I'll call again and see. And then he was like, okay, somebody's on their way. But uh, you know, it, it took a while. <laughs> it was 80, about 80 minutes. You know, I was, I was on the side of the road and, and I could have walked it in faster, you know, um, but then, you know, changed it. And at that point it was just like, okay. I'm just gonna have fun the rest of of the race, and and it was fun. You know, I went and I, I finished the race. Kind of ran the half at a, uh, uh, you know, not not as fast as as I could because I was fortunately able to. At that point, I had rested. You know, 80 minutes. I was feeling good, so I was able to run with a bunch of different athletes, working triathletes on the course. You know, I was able to run with Jason Zinser. Uh, uh, Patrick for a little bit and, and some others and, uh, Kyle at the end of his race and past a few other athletes will. Um, and it was just a fun run. I think I ran like, I don't know, like upper one thirties. Um, so there was, but it was fun. I did not hurt at all during the run, which was, I guess something because otherwise I have a feeling you would have come up on my shoulder uh, with like five miles to go. And I would in, in the race, if I had not flatted and, uh, and then I would have been like, Oh crap. And I would have had to have responded and dug really, really deep. And it would have been an acute pain, but, uh, I wish that I was, I wish that that was what happened, but <laughs> I know it's, it's one of those, it's unfortunate. Cause we, we had three of our top athletes, you know, DNF obviously for you know various reasons. And it would have been Why a lot finished? of, yeah, yeah, I guess you did finish. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right. But, um, it's, it's those, those battles that make it fun. And, and, and obviously yes. just from an overall performance, it would have been exciting to have us all chasing the finish line together. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I was, you know, some of, I was really excited to see what Anthony and Aaron mm -hmm. would do because they were, they were poised to do really well, but you know, we did have very fast athletes. So Mitch Ott, he's on, on the elite team. He got uh fifth overall. He PR'd on that course, you know, he went four twelve, and, and again, that course is not, not, uh, easy. And, 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 you know, he's fairly, he's still fairly new. He hasn't done many. I think this is maybe his second or third 70.3. Um, he's only been training, I think less than two years. So solid, result and just with some tweaks you know i think he could have gone easily you know probably five minutes faster so that's a good sign for him um you did well you uh were top 10 finished seventh 
And uh, I know, did you say, how, how did you feel about your race? Um, I, I would say it was subpar, but uh, I can't complain too much, you know, from the volume I've been putting in. Uh, it, it was pretty close. I, I think I, I swam really well. You know, I was really happy with that. My bike was definitely, I mean, I'm not the greatest cyclist out there. However, I did bikes much slower than I thought I would. And the run, I just, it, it was, it was a tough run for me. And I mean, I, I still ran well, at 118, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, 114 is kind of like my my standard now that's why i'm always chasing so mm -hmm. um e either way for me um happy to uh get to the finish line and and set the tone for the year but uh i'll be ready for the next one for sure yeah definitely i mean it's it's a rust buster this is the first race of the year for most most athletes but you know moving uh on to you know other athletes not not those at the pointy end Holy crap. There were so many awesome success stories mm -hmm. that fired, definitely fired me up. And, uh, you know, I mean, just obvious ones that popped to mind. I mean, Kat Satel, she PR'd massively. Um, I think she went to 515 and that's a big, big PR for her. She was super excited at the end. Uh, I mean, other great, I mean, we had a bunch of athletes break five for the first time, break six hours for the first time. You know, shout out to Patrick Stevens, shout out to Kyle for uh, Kyle Kentner for his first 70.3, you know, target was six hours and he crushed it. Um, and, uh, I mean, who, who else? I mean, we had a lot of good athletes, Maki O'Connell shattered five hours for the first time. So, yeah. Yeah. Haley, uh, she broke five for the first time with, you know, 447 and, uh, you know, that's a huge PR coming from a fast course with her. Her previous PR um, executed super well. Chris Chris Thomas, um, he yes, was just I laser focused and Oof. executed incredibly well. And uh, what was his mar half marathon? Oh, man, it, it was. I think it was one twenty four. I think. Yeah, he, like that. And, it, 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 huge, it, PR. huge PR. I mean, he's a great runner uh, to begin with, but um, you know, time strapped for sure and uh, executes really well. Just crushes the workouts he puts in and. He's focused and race. They came around and absolutely smoked it. So yeah, he raced smart. That's what happens. You know, when you have to do low volume, when you have kids and he runs his own business, it's, mm -hmm. it, he should be an inspiration. You know, he gets in the work when, when he can, I know, you know, you, uh, optimize his plan well, and it showed up big time. That's awesome. Oh. Yeah, Andy Van Lanningham still did well. He he faced a little bit of adversity yeah. on the course, but uh, had a little mechanical issue as well. But uh, still performed very well. Um, but he's he's hungry for that sub four twenty, and I know it'll come here soon. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of great performances, and there were a lot of horizontal stripes out there. Like we said, we 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 said before the race that you know it was going to be exciting, and everybody was going to encourage each other, and I think that happened plus some. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, a couple of things that I think people are, are talking about as it relates to the race was it, the swim. I know I read an article, you know, it was on slow Twitch and they said that, you know, Chattanooga is a world-class, uh, venue, which a hundred percent it is. But the only negative is that, you know, the swim, it's a downhill swim. And so it, it hurts the the top swimmers and, you know, when I read that, I was like, I was like, okay, it is downstream, but it's, it's longer. It's 1.4 miles. And I wanted to know, like, 
actually because looking at the results, like our athletes pretty much swam right around what they would swim in a normal uh open water lake wetsuit legal swim. Yep. So it, it, in my mind, it was it's a pretty honest swim. Like it's pretty legitimate, you know, it, it, it basically is the equivalent of an open water swim. I, I think lake swim uh, with the current velocity that we had this past year. Yeah. You know, maybe certainly if, if the current is faster, well, yeah, th- then yeah, I, I would say probably is going to be a little bit faster, but it, and then one thing that I did is I wanted just to have some data to back this up apart from like our own like knowledge of what our athletes can swim in open water. So you just, I just looked at the top uh, woman who finished Paula, Paula Finley. Obviously she has a like dozens of results <laughs> in 70.3s and at, you know, open water swims, ocean swims, all of these and so she swam 2657 at Chattanooga this past weekend and you know we can just compare that to uh to Oceanside now the, for the women's pro field it was not wetsuit legal so this was not wetsuit legal swim but we look at Oceanside from this year which was wetsuit legal she swam 2544 so we're talking um uh, about a minute 15 seconds faster at Oceanside than Chattanooga it's like okay but you know what? What about the you know the wetsuit and uh, I mean, just yeah. some other data points? Uh, Indian Wells twenty five forty three, so again a minute fifteen faster about. And then I was trying to find like a a swim that was not wetsuit legal, and you know maybe well Challenge Miami doesn't count. Well, she in, to, Indian Wells would have been there. Yeah, Indian Wells would have been uh, wetsuit legal. Yeah, it would have been wetsuit legal. So, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. She's oh, so yeah, faster yeah. there. But did, was St. George... That would have been year, wetsuit legal. All of those were wetsuit legal. And last year at chat, she swam a little bit faster, 17 seconds faster. Uh, but regardless, like all of these results... So if we look at Nice, so Nice 2019, she swam, swam 26.38, and that was not wetsuit legal. And now you got the benefit of the salt water there, mm-hmm. buoyancy. Um, so she swam faster there. So point being, when we look at all of this, it's Chattanooga is not like Oregon or uh, Augusta. Augusta, mm-hmm. like it. Everybody swam pretty much dead on what we would expect them to swim in a in a lake, open water lake swim. So you know, I think it it's worth maybe people shifting their perspective on on Chattanooga. Like I don't think that it's it's not a hard swim, but it's not an easy swim either. You're not, you know, it's, if you're a super slow swimmer, maybe it, it would help. Um, but it, it practically for all intents and purposes, doesn't make a difference. It, it's the equivalent of a lake swim, I think, uh, for the vast majority of the field. Now, if you're swimming an hour, 20 minutes, then the analysis is different because you're going to get the benefit of that current for a long time. But if you're Definitely. only getting the benefit you know, for 30 minutes or so, it's, it's not going to make a difference at all. Um, and you know, perhaps if you're a really fast swimmer, it's, it might be a net like decrease in, in, in speed, like overall velocity. Cause you have that extra nearly quarter of a mile 
it's just longer than 1.2 miles. It's 1.4 miles. So I don't know. Interesting to think about. Yeah, I, I would. I told every athlete, I'm like, you should expect to swim about the same as any lake swim. It's point to point. But um, I, I tell everyone, don't ever get too excited or discouraged when you get out of the water because you never know what the current is like race morning until you can compare times after the fact against other competitors that you know are consistent. But yeah, after we looked at all the data, after I compared my times from previous years and, and previous courses, um, it's it's pretty much spot on. Yep. So, uh, you know, obviously great, great course. And one thing that we wanted to talk about as with any race, you know, not, not just the successes because, you know, we had a lot of those, the athletes crushed it. Um, and, but we want to look on the other side and think, okay, well, few athletes, maybe they hit some adversity or we want to identify areas of opportunity or identify mistakes so that athletes won't make the same mistakes. And, you know, you and I talked about a couple before the podcast and, you know, I think, well, number one, a, f- a few athletes lost nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming out of chat, there are some railroad tracks. There are so many bottles that fly out of there and you know, way to mitigate against that. Use gorilla cages. I mean, gorilla bottle cages for the rear bottle holders that like y- you want the gorilla cages. They're expensive. <laughs> They're, they are not cheap. They're, man, I looked like a few months ago. I think they were like 70 or 80 bucks now just for one of them. Um, I could be wrong, but uh, I remember when they used to be like 30 bucks and I was like, holy crap, that's outrageous. And inflation but, is real. <laughs> inflation is real. Yeah. I'm sure their profits are, their, their margins are probably better than ever though, as with yeah. most companies who, you know, jacked up prices, blaming it on inflation. And then they're like, yeah, our profits are better than ever though. That's uh, it's silly, but um, yeah. So, so using those bottle cages, that's number one. Number two, you can secure the bottles in the rear bottle cages with some, some rubber bands or, or, you know, you could use Velcro, although the rubber bands are probably the easiest. Um, they'll just hold it in there. Um, but number one, and, and everybody who launched bottles, they were able to improvise because they knew their carb target, their sodium target, and their fluid target per hour on the bike. And they knew the content, you know, of Gatorade Endurance, of the Martin gels, everything available on course at the eight stations. Mm-hmm. So Gatorade Endurance and uh, and gels. But, you know, they, they also had backup nutrition. So they had backup gels. So even if, you know, they, they launched a nutrition bottle, they could still get in carbs until they were able to secure you know, water or Gatorade Endurance. But, uh, you know, you have to know your targets. You have to know what your body can handle. And um, it, it's, you have to improvise. And, yeah. and, and do your best and, and it, you won't lose a step. Um, I told, I told every athlete during the athlete meetings I had before the race that this is a race where you could potentially lose your nutrition. So be ready to adapt. So everyone was prepared to make that decision if they were, if it happened that way, they mentally knew, okay, if it does happen, they're not going to panic. Um, and then they need to make that adjustment once they get to the next age station and, and everyone did. And, um, you know, I don't know, I didn't hear about any athlete that like blew up or, or complained about, you know, under So I think everyone executed really yeah. well, even the athletes that lost their nutrition early on in the race. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think our athletes all nailed nutrition. Um, I mean, we pay attention to it and it, everybody did well on that front for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and a then, couple other things. Yeah. I guess the, the other piece, uh, I know a couple athletes received penalties and this is something where there, there's a couple different things going on. I know one person received a drafting penalty and another one received a blocking penalty. Um, a couple of the rollers, I think, you know, you'd have that sling or that slinky type of, of, um, atmosphere when you're slowing down and speeding up, you know, going up and mm -hmm. down the hills and that jammed some people up. And, you know, I remember seeing a couple athletes out there and said, you know, you can work together, but be at the legal draft distance um, and just make sure you're, you know, you're honoring the spirit of the sport. But like, like I said, there's sometimes you just, it was unavoidable if we, once they hit that, that type of slinky type of atmosphere on those rollers. And um, yeah. unfortunately, a couple of people did receive penalties too. Yeah, I think some of that was bad luck. And, but I mean, one one thing that I wanted to say, I mean, it's obvious, but everybody needs to stay right, like yes. when they're riding, because it, it was there were a couple times I was just annoyed because I'm like screaming on your left and your left, and and there's nobody else around, and the athletes are just kind of riding the yellow line in the middle for no mm -hmm. reason, and they're just oblivious. But you got you got to stay right, like it's a race, you gotta uh, you have to do that. Um, so, so yeah, be cognizant of, of riding. And, and part of this comes down to just bike handling skills, paying attention, being aware where you are, what you're doing, etc. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's another thing. And then the, the last thing was, was mechanical issues. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we had a number of athletes with some minor mechanicals, like drop chains, which they were able to fix. Uh, you know, my mechanical was. I shouldn't have, well, I couldn't have prevented the, the flat, but, you know, I should have been aware that, you know, the valve length wasn't going to work for the, the rear disc wheel. Now, you know, I thought about, I, I thought about it, but I was like, okay, I know I have the long valve and, uh, that would work for my front. So I run 88s up front and the valve was long enough for, for that. But, you know, it, th th that governed the, the tube that I put in. Um, so, but so it's not like it was too short, like, but it, I should have had the, the core removal tool available to, to remove the valve extender and just, you know, run it at a good valve length that I could have replaced it with. So, uh, you know, that, that's, and then I wouldn't have lost 82 minutes. I would have lost, you know, five and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, and still I would have raced hard and, and it would have been, uh, you know, potentially I, I would not have by at the top but i wouldn't have been sitting there for 82 minutes in the searing hot sun hanging out with the officers the officers were cool <laughs> you know it was it was fine hanging with them but it was uh uh i wish i was racing at that point um but uh but man after sitting there for for 82 minutes when i started the run i was hungry i was oh, I bet. like physically hungry like i wanted food so the first mile i was like wow i really hope this first aid station is a good one with a lot of good solid food and it was like i grabbed an orange i grabbed a banana i grabbed my favorite thing was a cup of pretzels Ooh. and uh i just devoured that those were oh my god that was heavenly that was like oh that was the equivalent of like a, a perfectly cooked steak and lobster meal at that moment, like those pretzels were so good. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was nice, but, um, yeah, be cognizant. If you get a mechanical, know how to fix it and be self sufficient, uh, out there on the course. Yeah. I know we've been telling all our athletes, you know, learn how to change a tire or tube, you know, it's, uh, even take, take the race situation out of it. It's good to know and have that knowledge and that skill set. just because if you're on a training ride, you don't want to hold people up and you want to be proficient at it. But, um, lessons learned, you know, we had, like, I know, like, like you mentioned, there's a few other things that happen with athletes, you know, mechanically. So it's always double and triple check your, your bikes going into a race. Um, make sure if you're, if you're hauling or, or traveling with your bike, it's not being banged around in the trunk of your car, you know, where derailleur hangers are getting bent and things like that. I know a lot of the things are on, are avoidable. Um, just take mm-hmm. care of your stuff and, and double check it too, before the race. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of double checking things before the race, one of the my favorite stories from the race was uh was Maki. He he wouldn't care if I if I tell the story. I at least I hope not, because I'm gonna tell it, but uh because it's hilarious. Um but you know, during the swim, so I let him borrow my my wetsuit and he he borrowed it before. Uh and you know, it was fine swimming in it, but uh I I guess he started the race on Sunday. And a few hundred meters in, he just, the wetsuit was not feeling good. Like he couldn't get like a full, full breath. And he's a, he's a pretty darn good swimmer, like very proficient. He was a diver at Princeton and and very familiar with the water, but you know, the, uh, the wetsuit was just so uncomfortable for him. Like it was sort of jabbing into his neck and, and, uh, uh, it (laughs) ended up taking it off during the swim. So he removed it in the water and then he swam over to a kayak and he's like, here, take this wetsuit. And, uh, and then he swam the rest of the way and he still swam solid. He swam, I think he swam like 33 minutes, even with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then what's funny is he was able to get the wetsuit back after the race. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I'm going to get the wetsuit back, but, uh, it was, it was just kind of hilarious that he actually removed it gave it to the kayaker and then kept going. Um, that is definitely a first and, but I mean, whatever he did, what he had to do to be comfortable and he didn't let it, you know, phase him too much. He swam well. I was looking at the file and I mean, after he took the wetsuit off, I mean, he crushed it. He's cranking out like, you know, one eighteens swimming down the river. So, uh, kind of hilarious. Yeah. That's gotta be one of the, the hardest things to do is take a wetsuit off in water that you can't touch the bottom. Yeah. I, I, you just I have know. no reference of, you can't <laughs> leverage anything. <laughs> I know. I feel like, yeah, I don't know how he didn't like drown, but man, that that's impressive. Um, but, uh, yeah. And he had a great race, you know, his second 70.3 ever. And, uh, you know, he went, I think four forty something. So, um, really good result for him. That was, that was solid, good, yeah. perfect execution. And that, that was the big thing. I think, you know, all around the board, everybody who did well, they just stuck to the plan. They executed precisely what uh, they needed to do because we we know what athletes can do. Like we train, we confirm paces, we have big days. We know what athletes can do in various conditions and athletes just have to be patient. Mm-hmm. 70.3, it's a long race and it's not a sprint. It's not even an Olympic. You know, it's a light tempo. It's not like you're 
piddling along like zone two i mean you're there's urgency there's pressure on the pedals and you know you can swim pretty pretty fast and and the effort is fairly high but um you can't burn matches you have to pay attention to nutrition you got to adjust for the uh you know the, the heat if there's heat and uh you know we were kind of talking about how you know we had a lot of guys who were, who were going to do the race and you know obviously three of them had, <laughs> had issues up front but uh we were talking about who was going to come out on top between those. It's like, well, you know, the, the athlete who doesn't do anything stupid is going to, is going to come out on top. And yeah, um, you know, that, that, I think that probably, that pretty much happened with, with Mitch. I think he, he did a good, uh, he executed precisely, you know, as he should have, it was just like a surgeon meticulous and, and nailed everything and it worked out. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, overall great day. Um, and then I guess last last we move on to is the tri club, um, point system that I think is interesting. You know, I know it's been scored differently in the past, and I was actually shocked when they made the announcement at the award ceremony. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna air our grievances because we didn't we didn't win because they changed the way they calculate <laughs> things. So we're obviously very very biased, but. Uh, in years past, they calculated, you know, the the tri club winners based on the performance of the top ten athletes, and the performances are given, you know, allocate it, it. Ironman allocates points based on how you finish in your age group, basically, and they just count the top ten. So it's just sort of like you have to have a lot of athletes. There. I mean, ten is a fair number of athletes to have. Like that doesn't just happen. You have to. It has to be a. There has to be a solid tri club presence there. And uh, then the you, you have to do well. So that's we loved that calculation because you know we work with athletes who do the work and we strive to get them to go fast. And you know we have a lot of good athletes and we'd love to showcase that at Ironman races. Um, but you know this year Ironman at Chattanooga, all they did was add up the gross points totals of everybody. So first place, you know, Team Zoot, they they were in first place with two hundred seventy three thousand six hundred eighty three, uh, which is fine, but it's just like, is it is it a tri club? <laughs> like, do, do those athletes, uh, like it's a massive apparel brand, and they, uh, you know, they have just anybody can sign up to be on Team Zoot. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't know to what extent it's, it, I don't know, it's. I mean, I, I can whine and say it isn't fair that they should, it should have been like, like a real team who works out together and trains together. And there's some cohesion there, but, uh, you know, I think I, I don't want to, I'm not shitting on team Zoot. Like it's cool. I'm glad they're around any, any team that gets excited, generates excitement for the sport. I, I'm pro pro that, that team for sure. I'm just whining because, you know, obviously I want working triathlete to come out on top, but we got second with 104,000 points. Third was Sparrow with 72,576. Fourth was Purple Patch with 66,916. Fifth, Chattanooga Tri Club, 55,000 points. So, I mean, we still did pretty darn well considering, you know, we're, you know, it's fairly small racing team slash coaching group. Um, so we showed up and did well, but yeah, I mean, we're never going to, beat team zoo which is like a national apparel brand and requires just basically for you to apply to be on the team so you can get discounts to on zoot stuff um but you know again i, I don't want to 
come across as whining. <laughs> I want yeah. them to go back to the top 10 mile, top 10 athletes, however they finish in the, in the, in the club. That is, those are the points. And yeah. that's what they did last year. And we won. Yeah. And then you, re- you just remove the, it's just consistent. You know, that's what we want is consistent scoring. And that matters. It helps, helps keep things honest. You know, then you know where you stand all the time, but, and then you can, yeah. then at the end of the day, you can actually compete head to head. You know, even if a club has more athletes, that's fine um, that are participating, but it's, it's like a cross country meet, you know, you get the, you have the, the yeah. top five yeah. athletes are the ones competing against each other. But uh, yeah, I mean, I get it, but you know, this doesn't incentivize us to like assemble quality fields at different Ironmans. And obviously Ironman, they care more about bodies because they're a business and they need to make money. And uh, I get them wanting to reward Zoot, assuming that Zoot has any influence on getting athletes to do Ironman races. I think the athletes are are already doing them, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas it's a little bit different like yeah kind of fun getting so i mean we, we assembled a solid group because we wanted to win the track club competition right and, yeah and part that was part of the reason um but i mean whatever it's uh i'm not that hurt over it <laughs> it's just interesting to think about and and discuss a little bit but uh and then our our next team race, what is it? Well, Music City Try we have coming up. That's a, a local to Nashville race put on by Team Magic. And that's all. We always have a good showing there. We'll have a few dozen athletes doing the intermediate distance and the sprint distance. And it's cool because for the Olympic slash intermediate distance, you jump off of a boat, General Jackson. Uh, it's a big, like, I don't know, what would you call that? Like a riverboat, yeah. boat type thing. And uh, you jump out and you swim downstream. And then you hop out and it's like 40K and then a 10K. Uh, so that's always fun. It's always fun jumping out of the boat, swimming down. And the the backdrop of the, you know, the transition area is the Nashville skyline. It's right on the river there. It's cool. It's beautiful. And it's, it's a closed course, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, no traffic whatsoever. So, you know, if Aaron did this race. He will not, he would not have been run off the road by, by a car. I think that's, reasonable to contemplate i mean this is a good course for beginners um and everybody alike i mean i don't like dealing with cars on on the course i understand that you can't you know close off every stretch of road over 56 or 112 mile route on public roads like that's not tenable but um you know they they do it for this race and it's uh, a good one yeah, you have to have the a certain highway system that's not going to inter impact like the local, you know, community as much. And and Ellington Parkway is like that perfect road that uh, it doesn't. It, obviously, it's it, it's a convenience for people to get to East Nashville or or go up to like Hendersonville, but you can easily shut it down in in the morning, and it's really not going to impact the community too much. So. Mm-hmm. It provides a safe environment for athletes to race and uh it's opened up after a few hours so uh no no one's too upset about that at all yeah for sure definitely but uh yeah so we're pumped about that and uh for the rest of the year you know a, a lot of athletes had had breakthroughs at Chattanooga and we're excited to see them continue to progress and then you know I know at least 3 athletes are hungry to uh <laughs> 
post a good result uh, as they experienced some some adversity, but adversity is not a bad thing. You just get more hungry and you uh, you have a fire lit under you and you cherish good results better. You don't take them for granted because stuff can go wrong. Triathlon is, there are a lot of moving parts and you know, you want to, you don't want to overcomplicate it. I know that I kind of posted an article on uh, Jim Taylor wrote, um, he's a, a friend of working triathlete and he basically talked about why you shouldn't overcomplicate triathlon. So it's important to consider that. Um, but you know, it's, it's also the case that a lot can go wrong and a lot is out of your control, but you just kind of have to let that go and understand every race isn't going to be great, but who cares? There will be another race. It, it isn't a huge deal. We do this for fun. And frankly, adversity is a good opportunity for you to exercise some virtue and character and, and overcome it. And it could be fun doing that and rewarding and make you better because sports, it's not just about competition or achieving like an arbitrary time or just going faster. It's also about how you handle training, how you deal with the challenges of training and racing. And you can do it gracefully, or you could, you know, just get your emotions, your emotions can take control over you. So I don't know, adversity can, can uh, give you an opportunity, an arena in which to exercise virtue and we'll come back stronger. Yeah. It's hard to have a perfect race in long course. And, uh, you know, when you're chasing that it's, it's, you're chasing to, to be better in, in all aspects of the sport and, and as a person, and that's kind of the beauty of it. You know, you can always find yep. areas to, uh, to improve on. And, uh, that's, that's always the goal. That's the goal. Be better than you were last year or a month ago. And even if not in raw speed, which can be tough when you get older, but, uh, you know, just in, in execution, you know, like do better relative to your max potential on that day. Mm -hmm. That's the big thing. So, but yeah, but that, that is a recap of, of the weekend, you know, solid weekend and the first of many exciting weekends this year for, for team WT. We can't wait to see what happens the rest of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, we, we've been setting the tone all season so far and there, you know, we're just going to keep on building upon that. So yep. thanks for tuning in. If you guys want to reach us, uh, you can email us at info at working or head over to our website, working and uh, submit an inquiry. And, you know, if you're looking for a coach, we have several coaches that are taking on additional athletes, or if you just want to, you know, send us something to talk about you know we can we'll take that as well absolutely yeah feel free that's a good point feel free to send over some topics that you might want to hear on the podcast and uh we'll try to make that happen thanks guys yeah thank you see ya, see ya.